to this Endo Life episode 61. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. This episode is sponsored by my friends at BU. BU patches are naturally made patches that, like a plaster, stick onto your abdomen or lower back and deliver soothing relief to painful cramps with natural essential oils. As you might have guessed from all the reviews I've shared, BU period patches are proven to be hugely popular in the endo community. And as a result, the BU team have been getting great feedback about how they best work for the community. The patches are most commonly used in the morning before work or school and in the evenings before bed so that people with endo or painful periods can be prepared for the day ahead or get a better night's sleep uninterrupted by pain. If you're anything like me and your periods come at night, these patches might make all the difference and they they certainly do for me. They help me sleep through whereas before I'd wake up in pain. They come in a pack of five, so they should last for the majority of your period, and you can subscribe to get them every month. They're $6.99 for a pack, or $4.99 if you go for a subscription. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps the natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. This guide is perfect for anyone just starting out on this journey of managing and reducing their symptoms. This 16-page guide takes you through the natural treatment options and holistic lifestyle changes that I made to begin reducing my symptoms. If you're feeling overwhelmed by which type of complementary therapy to choose from or you're a bit confused by the endometriosis diet, this guide could really help you to get a good overview and allow you to begin taking steps to feeling better. As always, this guide doesn't replace your medical treatment and it's not intended to treat or cure endometriosis but it does provide you with options that helped me to live well with endometriosis so you can begin experimenting and finding out what works for you. To download just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. I wanted to say a huge thank you because um, when it comes to podcasting it's like a weird I don't know it's kind of like this weird industry do you call it an industry where um a lot of it's guesswork like there's it's still so new that um trying to understand how you get like your podcast in charts and things like that it's just a bit confusing and I've known um for a long time that my podcast often ends up in like the popular list for alternative health but I've never known what number it ranks or even that like it could rank but I got an email by like, I think they're called Chartable, saying that it was number 69 in the um, podcast alternative health charts for the UK. And when I like logged on and had a look, I could actually find out like my history. And it turns out that this endolife has ranked at number 25 in the alternative health charts for uh, the UK. Which is crazy because I'm just like a small podcast about endometriosis. So to be that high up on the list, I know it's not like the main list, like whatever the main list is called, but it means that people are finding it. 
and the the more that the podcast comes up in charts the more people will hear um what it is that these amazing guests have to say um and hopefully we'll be able to improve their lives with endometriosis so I want to say thank you because it's because of you that the podcast is in the charts in the first place so um yeah that's amazing news in other news the cookbook is coming out soon oh my gosh it has been the the journey of my life one of, it's been the hard, one of the hardest things I've ever done and one of the best things I've ever done. It is called This Endo Life. It starts with breakfast. Um, if you are interested in getting your hands on it, it will be an ebook. I am considering an option to have it made per like with per per order. I think that's the phrase made per order, made to order. So as Christmas approaches, if you want to buy it for someone who has endometriosis or you want to buy it for yourself or your someone wants to buy it for you, um, you can order it specifically to get printed. I, I'm not sure I'm going to look into that as an option, but if, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, let me know. Um, so yeah, it is a nutrition guide and a cookbook, um, breakfast cookbook. Um, provides you with 28 recipes to help you live and thrive with endometriosis. So I'm really excited about that. If you want to know more about it and when it comes out and be like the first, um, one of the first to hear that it's out and get the kind of uh, goodies and freebies that I'm going to be offering with it when it launches, then you can sign up to my newsletter and um, the link to do that is in the show notes. P.S. If you if it sounds like my voice is shaking, it's because I live in a very cold house and it's now cold in the UK and I'm shivering. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's why my voice is shaking. Anyway, let's get to today's show. Today's guests, uh, plural, are Lauren and Catherine Lee from Semaine. Semaine is the new anti-inflammatory supplement, completely plant-based supplement for people with painful periods and endometriosis. I often get asked like what the best supplements are for endometriosis and I hope you guys know that I always state that what works for me may not work for you but there is something that I always share and that's that is that reducing inflammation is one of the key components to managing endometriosis. Um, and this can be done through eating an anti-inflammatory diet, reducing our stress levels, and if appropriate, taking health supplements such as curcumin. And you guys know that I am, am a big fan of curcumin. So I was so excited when I found out about Semaine. Um, and I, I mean, I've been wondering like why the hell something like this hasn't existed before. So I'm so glad that Lauren and Catherine stepped up and created Semaine. And I'm so excited that it's going to be available to, yeah, to all of us soon. Lauren and Catherine are um, literal endo sisters. They are twins. And they went on a quest to find a form of pain relief that didn't ne negatively affect their bodies. Um, they both found that conventional medication uh, wasn't agreeing with them and was causing other side effects and after going through decades of pain without an answer and then not finding a huge amount of relief 
from medication, they began digging into the studies and the research on endometriosis, inflammation, and natural options for pain reduction. So they experienced amazing results and started getting excited about what that could mean for others living with endometriosis and decided to test it out on a group of uh, women with painful periods and endometriosis and saw incredible results. And so Simone was born. In this episode, we talk about Lauren and Catherine's journey to diagnosis or journeys to diagnosis, the science behind endometriosis pain and inflammation, the research behind herbs, spices, minerals and vitamins such as vitamin D, magnesium, green tea extract and why Semaine is about both education and solutions when it comes to living with endometriosis. Just so you know, Semaine's Indiegogo campaign is currently running until November the 7th and if you back Semaine you can get 30% off for a 6 month or 12 months supply. So I highly recommend doing that because if, if you're interested, that is, um, the discount won't be running when they launch in January. So um, if you would like to get um, that big discount, then the Indiegogo campaign is running till November the 7th. And also, it would just be amazing to support a company that is founded by like a business that is not only female founded it's founded by endo sisters like that's awesome and um it's for people with endometriosis and painful periods so if you can support them that would be amazing at the time of recording lauren and Catherine weren't sure if they were going to be able to do international shipping but i am very happy to tell you that they will be and they can be so um and they can rather so if you order um through the Indiegogo campaign, you will be able to receive your supplements wherever you are in the world. So um, I think you're going to love this interview. The science is fascinating. And um, Lauren and Catherine's stories are, yeah, just, I, I can't believe what these girls have gone through and to come out of it on the other side and produce Semaine is incredible. Here is the interview. I hope you enjoy. So could you tell us about your journeys with endometriosis so far before we kind of dive into what Semaine is? Absolutely. Yes. So um, this is Lauren uh, and um, I have had painful periods since I was about 16, 15, 16 years old. Um, and Kath and I have sort of similar journeys, um, but... I think when we both sort of headed into getting sort of more excruciating endo pain, they diverged a little bit, but we've both had really painful periods since just around the time we we've had our periods. Um, and like most women with endo, we were, we were diagnosed after about 15 years of having symptoms that were never really addressed. Um, so I, um, like I said, I've always had painful periods and that was usually a lot of really bad cramping, very heavy periods. Um, sometimes my periods just wouldn't come at all. Um, and then into my late twenties, I, the, the pain switched from sort of a bad cramping to really sharp sort of jabbing pain. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, okay, this is not only is this, this really inconvenient and I'm skipping work, um, 
But now it's getting to the point where this doesn't feel quote unquote normal. You know, I think with periods, you're always told cramping is normal. Bad cramps are normal. Um, And, you know, the only thing any gynecologist had ever told me was just stay on birth control. That will help you or take, you know, some over the counter pain meds. So that's what I had been doing up to that point. And then and then when I was about 28 and I was getting those really terrible, sharp jabbing pains, um, I started doing my own research and was looking through the interwebs, as you do. Mm -hmm. And I remember finding endometriosis and seeing like a bulleted list on a site. And I like could literally tick mark like every single symptom. And I was like, I think this is what I have. And what's funny too, is our mom has endo and she talked about it a little bit when we were growing up. Um, but she never had any surgery. Um, and she just sort of briefly said, you know, it was something that the doctor suggested she had, um, when she was trying to get pregnant, but she was able to get pregnant and, apart from that, she just had very painful periods. So I remember growing up when she would mention that I just, you know, I would sort of just be like, okay, that's something mom has. It never clicked in my head that this is a highly genetic, um, you know, disease. And that of course, Kath and I would probably be likely to have it. Um, so I, you know, I, I took my notes to my doctor and I was like, listen, I think this is what I have. And she was literally like, yeah, you know, probably stay on birth control, take over the counter pain meds. Um, and so at at that. Yeah. It was very dismissive. I mean, she, um, and I remember I was just like, Oh, okay. I guess that's what I do. I guess, you know, this is just something that's painful. She didn't suggest any sort of exploratory surgery or even doing any sort of scan. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll just stay on birth control. And, um, a couple of years after that, uh, my husband and I met, we were moving to Scotland and I remember the pain was getting worse. And in my head, I was, thinking, you know, maybe this is, this is being aggravated by the birth control I was using. I was using the NuvaRing at the time. I was like, maybe something about that birth control is making it worse. And I had also been reading a lot about doing an anti-inflammatory diet, not specifically, I hadn't found the endo diet yet, but I had been, um, listening to Chris Carr and reading her website, um, which was a, you know, the crazy sexy diet, which she had developed because she had an incurable cancer. And when I was reading it, I was like, I'm going to try all of these things because maybe that will help my endo. So I came off of birth control. Um, we were moving countries at the same time and I started juicing every morning and, um, you know, just eating really, really cleanly. And, um, what was what was interesting is it absolutely didn't help my pain at that point because I think then my endometriosis was sort of so um, progressed and developed that it was like nothing would have probably touched that pain. Yeah, right. Um, but it did really help. I have a lot of IBS symptoms. Um, and again, I never correlated the two, but it really helped my IBS symptoms doing that. So, you know, part of me was like, oh, this is great. Like I feel normal that way, but I'm still having so much pain. Um, and being in a new country, you know, I was just, I was still trying to figure out the medical system in the UK. Um, and my pain was getting worse and worse and worse. Um, And at one point I found, um, I remember laying down on my stomach, like doing yoga or something. And I felt over my left side, a lump. And I was like, well, that's not normal. Um, but I really had to fight with my GP to try to get referred to a gynecologist. 
um, because I was like, there's definitely something there. And, you know, in my head, I was thinking ovarian cancer yeah, or something yeah, of course. really bad. Um, by the time uh, I really had to fight with my GP in order for her to be like, yes, we need to get you to um, get an ultrasound and I should refer you to a gynecologist. At that point, they were able to get me the ultrasound appointment first. So I did that. Um, and in the scan, they found a really large endometrioma on my left ovary. And I remember I was just so relieved that it wasn't cancer that I was just like, that's great. This is great. And I remember the technician was like, no, I'm really sorry. You have an endometrioma. You will have to have surgery. And I was like, that's fine. You know, it's not <laughs> cancer. I'm okay. I have no idea what an endometrioma is, but I know it's not cancer. Um, so that was what was going in my head. I was like, oh, it's not a malignant tumor. That's great. Before I could actually go see the gynecologist, um, the endometrioma ruptured and I was in enormous amounts of pain and had to be taken to the hospital by ambulance. Um, there's just, I can, that's a whole story in and of itself, but it won't go <laughs> to that. Um, but I was in the hospital for two weeks um, and had a surgery just to, to basically cut out part of my ovary and my pelvic cavity at that point when it had ruptured filled with 500 milliliters of fluid. Um, and, um, super, super painful. The hospital experience wasn't very good. Um, but at that point, I think is when I was technically diagnosed with endometriosis because you can't technically diagnose it without surgery. So really, you know, that was from having painful periods when I was about 15, 16 to when I was 30 and having this, um, emergency surgery because of this endometrioma rupture. Um, and then after that, I was just so terrified of developing another endometrioma, um, and still having terrible pain on my period. I did a bunch of more research over sort of six months after my surgery and found an excision specialist. And so six months after that initial surgery, I had, um, surgery done with an endo specialist. And since then, that was back in 2014, I've had a lot less pain on my period. So that really made such a huge difference. Um, so that's my very long endo journey so far. Well, I'm not surprised it's long given like the, the amount that you went through and 15 years to diagnosis. And mm -hmm. I feel like there were so many um, warning signs that the doctors could have picked up earlier. And the fact that you were ignored when you had a lump just no words, <laughs> you know. Right? Just... I still, when I think back to that time, I'm still, and I didn't really even, I remember thinking I really have to fight the GP on this. And I remember calling her a couple times and she really seemed exasperated with me that I was pushing her to get me to see a gynecologist. It was just, it was bizarre. It was really bizarre. Yeah, sometimes I'm not, like, there are some brilliant doctors out there some of them I don't yeah I just don't have any explanation for <laughs> so Absolutely. yeah I'm very sorry that you went through that but um okay. yeah I'm glad that you're experiencing some relief now so Catherine could you yeah tell us a little bit about your story of course I'm Catherine Kath for short um uh Laura and I are twins I am 30 seconds older than Laura just like the <laughs> out um but a lot of people especially when we talk about our endometriosis stories I think they assume it's reverse that I'm younger because I actually I feel like especially compared to Laura's story mine's a little bit more on like the the endometriosis light side and a big portion of that is because she's gone through it before I did right yeah. um, just like her you know started I 
I even feel like I had painful periods from the very beginning, from 13 years old and on. It definitely got progressively worse. I remember days in college where it just felt like I had this like bowling ball in my uterus. And thinking, like Laura had mentioned, you know, I always heard mom talking about endometriosis, but to me, it was almost like PMDD. It was, it just meant you had very painful periods and you had to deal with it. Um, And so I was familiar with the term. And then I just thought, well, you know, this, you know, I suck it up. I take Midol, I take ibuprofen um, and just try to deal with it. Um, Was on birth control, just like Laura throughout my 20s. And continued to stay on it when she moved off to Scotland. I still stayed on it. I don't know if that made a difference, and that's why our progression is different. Um, are you know just luckier in that sense. Um, but I did start getting more debilitating pain on my period, especially when I would go to the bathroom, like in my colon area. It right, would yeah. be a point where I feel like I would pass out. Um, and then the the cramps, the lower back aches, that bowling ball feeling in the uterus would get really bad. So on my period, I would miss, you know, at least a couple days of work. Um, and kind of all during that same time period, that's when Laura was in Scotland going through what she was going through. And I remember thinking in my head, um, that it was like, Oh, it must be because she, (laughs) she went off birth control. So this is why, why it's bad. Maybe she should just go back on birth control. And of course it's not that simple. Um, but as she was going through all this, it, because of her, I was researching up on it. Um, but it was kind of all after Laura had to go through this horrific experience. Um, more speaking from someone who's like, you know, someone who has endometriosis, but also knowing having a loved one who has gone through a horrific experience like that. I feel like I can see both sides, the person who has it and the person who either a partner or a family member that lives with someone who has it. It was so terrifying with her being across the pond, you know, not being able to um, get in touch with her, really understand what was going on, especially um, I remember when she was in the hospital for two weeks, which in the States, that is like unheard of. People don't stay in the hospital for two weeks. Like they like do, you know, you do the surgery right away. You you get the pain meds and they kick you out of the hospital kind of as that. <laughs> <laughs> and the UK, it took like five days just for her to get a CT scan. So yeah, um, they do things so, really slowly here. Yes, yeah, and you know, there's advantages, disadvantages to both because you're you were paying out the nose in the states if you do that. Um, but you know, it freaked me out, and I remember I was going through grad school at the time, and I remember there are days like I just I couldn't study, I couldn't do anything, I'd break down crying, not really understanding what was going on with Laura, not being able to really get in touch with her, of course. Um, and not being able to afford to fly over and see her, which was horrible. Um, and then kind of fast forward, um, still going through all that pain when I was on my period, I would try skipping my period, which did help. Um, and then when Laura had her surgery in 2014, that's when I started thinking like, okay, for a while I was like, my pain's not nearly as bad as Lauren. I never had the endometrioma that I know of. I'm pretty sure I never did. Um, I was like, so I was like, I don't need surgery. But then about 2014, when Lauren had hers done, that's when I really started missing work. I just couldn't get out of bed and it, it freaked me out. I would almost pass out on the toilet multiple times on my period. Um, and so that's when I was like, okay, you know what? (laughs) I think this is a sign I need to do something. So I went to the same surgeon that Laura did in Atlanta and it just, convenient that I also happen to live in Atlanta. So that was really nice. Yeah. Um, he's a wonderful surgeon, Ken Sinervo. 
Um, and so I wasn't officially diagnosed until I got my laparoscopic surgery done. And whereas Laura had stage four, I had stage two endometriosis. Um, and what's crazy to me is like, I still had these doubts. So it's like, maybe I'm just like being overly sensitive. Or Even maybe when you were diagnosed. Yeah. And so then, interesting. But, but then after the surgery, when Dr. Sinerva like sat down, showed me the pictures, like physically showed the endocells um, and what they look like. I was like, okay, yes, this is a real thing. Um, even though it's not nearly to the extent as Lara, I think we both have the similarities between us is we both like a lot of the like kind of outward symptoms is IBS. We've always had um, stomach issues. And I remember even the first few years of getting my period, I remember I would have diarrhea on like worse when I was on my period. And I remember asking the doctor specifically, you know, why is that? And the doctor like joked or something. I was like, oh, that's just your body being like, we don't like your period or something. Oh <laughs> my God. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's, you know, and that's still very much the case. Like um, I was, because I didn't have the severe pain till later on, I never was as strict on the endo diet. I did try it. Lauren was inspiring me with all her green juicing and the Chris Carr diet. And that absolutely helps with the IBS. Of course, I didn't stick to it as much when it wasn't helping Laura with her pain. I was like, well, screw this. I'm going to eat like McDonald's and stuff because <laughs> I'm still going to get pain. So that's probably not the best storyline. But um, 100%, I think the endo diet, any low inflammation diet helps with that symptom at the very least. And so now I continue to stay on birth control. I think we went back on it a couple months after the surgery. And for the most part, I'll skip my period kind of every other month. Um, and then I have been taking the Semaine supplements, which has helped a ton when I am on my period. Because even though since the surgery, my pain is so much better, it has kind of slowly come back. I don't think it's it's not linear progression, um, but I definitely have pain again on my period. And I think to a lesser extent of lard, like anytime I feel pain, you know, it's so triggering because I just assume it's going to be all bad immediately. Um, and so having something like Semaine gives me much more peace of mind when I actually am having my period. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And how, how long ago was your surgery? Uh, it was 2015. Okay. So, um, and I, I took, it was almost a year, year and a half before I felt any pain on my period. Yeah. That's actually quite similar to me when I had my first one, I was about a year and a half later, that the pain started returning. Um, did you have excision? Yes. That's okay. That's good. I didn't. Oh no, <laughs> um, we didn't realize. Yeah. That. No. Well, yeah. My first, both of my surgeries have been ablation. Um, mm -hmm. Even though my second one, I went to like I waited much, much longer, um, like a year longer to see um, a surgeon who did excision, and he didn't do it on me. So. Ugh. Yeah. Why was the reasoning for not doing it? I don't know. He never, he never, I never saw him again after that. My consultations were with like his, like, I don't know, the people who are under him. And I didn't know they hadn't done that until I said, like, there's no difference in pain. And they were like, oh, well, you know, it's probably because it's ablation and it leaves a bit of, of cell, you know, some of the cells behind. And I was like, well, that was pointless. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so you've you guys have obviously gone through a really extensive journey. So what was the point when you were inspired to start Semaine and what was that trigger? Like 
Was it something to do with those anti-inflammatory diets that you had started that caused you to think up the idea? And um, yeah, and, and what is the idea? That would be a good time to to tell everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny because the main, to me, since our journeys have been so long, feels relatively recent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like Kath was saying, and I'm sure a lot of women with endophilus, there's so many things that sort of trigger you. I remember after I was the same as you and Kath, I probably had fairly pain-free periods after my second surgery with the endo specialist in Atlanta. Um, and I remember when the pain sort of started coming back on my period, I sort of just like tamped it down and I didn't want to think about it. And I, I was tired of talking about endometriosis and I was tired of thinking about my time in the hospital. Um, and so really for a couple of years after that, I just sort of ignored it and was like, I'm going to stay on birth control. Cause then, you know, the likelihood of getting another endometrioma is less, um, which I, you know, to be honest, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, it was again, a peace of mind thing. Um, but as the pain started sort of creeping back again, um, which just, just for reference, I'd say before my, my surgeries, my pain levels could be off the charts. So past. 10 points, you know, if it's on a 10 point scale. And I'd say now my period is more, it would be anywhere from like a three to a five. So it is still greatly reduced from pre-excision surgery, which is great. But yeah, it was getting to the point again, where part of it was just mentally and emotionally having the pain come back. I was like, I need to do something about this and think about it. Um, and, um, that just started us doing a bunch of research again. I feel like everybody who has endo knows what that's like because you're not getting answers from oh, anybody absolutely. else. You're like, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, time for me to figure this out on my own. And um, I remember being so discouraged when I was in Scotland after my surgery because I was like, there must be a ton of information on this, and I'm just gonna figure it out. And it being so hard, and and learning how there's so few studies done on endometriosis, and hearing from doctors saying like, yeah, we don't really know what causes it, you know. And you're mm. just like, oh, okay. Um, but you know, I was determined. I was like, there's got to be something that can help. And, um, I do think I was feeling positive about that sort of anti-inflammatory diet, even though it didn't really help my pain at all when it was really bad that had, had helped my IBS. I was like, there's something to this. And, um, I was always a little intimidated when I read things about trying to actually adjusting your hormones, you know, whether it's taking like maca powder or I remember that always sort of freaked me out a little bit. I think partly that comes from Kath and I, when we first started birth birth control back in our late teens, um, we had really bad reactions to a lot of birth control, um, especially if there were a greater number of hormones in it, we would get really bad morning sickness and Um, It was just really odd. And so I think in my head, whenever there's something that's like, it can adjust your hormones, it just, I always was like, I feel like a special case because my hormones just feel so out of whack and weird. Whereas like most of my friends could take birth control and didn't have any of these side effects. And um, so I'm still, and I remember the first time I took maca powder, I put it in a smoothie and I probably put way too much in, but I remember feeling sort of dizzy and nauseated again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, I, let me just back off of this, like, all these different things that are saying it's affecting my estrogen levels or whatever. Um, what else can I do? And when we researched a little bit more about painful periods and endo, there was such a strong correlation with your body being inflamed. And like Kath was talking about that bowling ball feeling like 
my, I used to always say like my insides want to be on my outsides. Like that's how it felt like yeah, everything just yeah. dragging down. Totally know um, that feeling. Yeah. And, and, you know, like that sense of being bloated, but painfully sort of like inflamed in your pelvis. And I was like, there has to be something that addresses this inflammation. That's not just an over the counter pain med. And so that's how Samane started was I, you know, it was doing basic things like, oh, I'm going to try curcumin, turmeric, because you hear that that's an anti-inflammatory. So trying a lot of different ingredients that we were like, maybe this will work and sort of using a combination of them. And luckily I'm, I'm married to a biologist, a research scientist. So he was helping me do a lot of the research on clinical trials that have been done on women with endometriosis and period pain specifically and what plant-based um, products and ingredients actually helped address some of the inflammation specifically that is happening with women who have painful periods and endometriosis. That's so interesting what you were saying about maca because um, I actually want to do an episode on this and try to get a couple of different experts on, but Dr. Jessica Drummond actually cautions people with endometriosis um, when it comes to maca because right. um, I can't remember exactly like the science of it but there are lots of hormone experts saying take maca if you're estrogen dominant and just to balance your your hormones in general but in her clinic Dr. Uh, Jessica Drummond has found that when she has recommended maca that not she hasn't had like huge success with her patients who have endometriosis and it has worsened some of their symptoms. And she's also found that with other foods, like for example, flaxseed and soy, some hormone experts will say eat flaxseed and soy because they mimic estrogen and then they take up the space where estrogen would take. So in cells, like if you've got a lock and a key and there's like um, locks that are suited for, that are made for estrogen. The theory is like, oh, some, I think some estrogen mimickers are kind of like quote unquote bad and some of them are good. So then you've got these quote unquote good um, estrogen mimickers that, so from Maca, for example, will go into the lock um, instead of real estrogen. And that should apparently level out the level of estrogen in your body so it's it thinks it's got lots but it hasn't got as much and that should apparently work but I have never experienced that myself with like the kind of healthier estrogen mimickers obviously we can get um bad kind of estrogen mimickers from like chemicals and stuff but um I've never experienced that and then Dr Jessica Drummond is the first hormone expert that I've heard talk about the fact that actually it doesn't always work well for people with endometriosis and it can worsen their symptoms. And that's definitely my experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I felt completely crazy after Maca as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's so, thank you for sharing that, Jess, because I was just, I remember thinking like, I feel like everyone was talking about it as this wonder thing and you still go to like smoothie places and it's like, add Maca powder. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. What was it? Love you so Maca in New York. Is that what it was called, Laura? Cha cha maca, and, Cha-cha-maca. Cha-cha-maca. <laughs> and uh, I remember we were the probably the only ones who got like <laughs> non maca products when we went in. Like we wanted to go visit it so badly, but like 
it's like the same thing when we go to coffee shops and stuff. We either have to order decaf or yeah, get yeah. You know, herbal tea. And I still remember this one time we were in London. I can't remember. It was someplace. Was it in Spitalfields Market? We went to some very hipster coffee shop. And, you know, I ordered um, decaf coffee. And the guy was like, you know, really snobby about it. I'm like, why would you ever order that? And I was like, do you want me uh. to put my pants in the middle of the restaurant? <laughs> That will happen. Do you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I, how long ago was that? How many years ago was that? Uh, like two, two years, years ago. Two okay. Years ago. I think it's, I. there used to be a real like snobbery around decaf coffee in the coffee scene mm-hmm. in London. It's really changing now and they're, they're developing some really nice decaf coffees. So I, if I ever have coffee, I only have a decaf and I don't really ever get any snobbery around it now but I used to so that's really interesting yeah so mm-hmm. you don't know who you're dealing with you don't know if someone's got a heart condition or right. you know like it's yeah but I think like the coffee scene in the UK has like I think it reached like peak I mean I love the coffee scene but it reached like kind of peak level snobbery and I think it's leveling leveling <laughs> out now so that's good I hope so. <laughs> so why did you choose to focus on inflammation the inflammation component of periods like specifically would you be able to kind of dive into some of the science um of that because I know you mentioned that you you guys were looking in to studies and that's also a really big part of what you do yeah we um kind of what Laura was talking about just a couple minutes ago about the focusing on the immune system and inflammation versus the hormonal aspects of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like as we researched more into it and we're looking at, you know, everybody's body, especially with pain period, they experience a level of inflammation um, that's more abnormal than, um, than focusing. If you focus on the hormonal aspects, like every individual is so different, you know, so how would you be able to come up with something in that sense? Plus having that fear, like Laura said, we've never had great luck with kind of changing around the hormones. Um, and the immune system changes a lot over the menstrual cycle. And it doesn't seem to, that aspect of it doesn't seem to be focused on much um, in the medical field. Um, but basically, people with more painful periods, their immune system seems to be very hyperactive on their period. Sure, yeah. Um, so there, it seems like just now, maybe in the past few years, there's more um, there's more research diving into the alterations that happen in the immune system, but it's still such a new thing. There's not a ton of information out there. I know Lauren's husband has done a lot of research on that. Um, but essentially, we found that chronic inflammation affects your whole body, which makes it harder to respond properly. Um, and a lot of lifestyle changes that people do to reduce their period pain or the endometriosis pain um, is all about reducing inflammation. So like what we were talking about with the endo diet, um, which promotes eating essentially a ton of vegetables, um, that works or that helps a lot because, of course, you get all the healthy nutrients from the vegetables and then the micronutrients in those vegetables lower inflammation and address the oxidative stress. Um, plus it has a lot of fiber and anything, um, high fiber consumption can help change your gut, um, and help lower that chronic inflammation. So it was almost like, um, for the same reasons that the endo diet works, focusing on, uh, what specifically about that makes it work 
and how how can we just focus on lowering inflammation and calming the body down during the period does that make sense yeah absolutely and I agree with everything you said I think so much of it starts with inflammation and we can't do a massive amount of work when the body's in such an inflamed state because it's kind of like that vicious cycle is inflamed so it kind of inflames itself more just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU these natural patches last for 12 hours so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, if you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. So could you take us through like the ingredients? I know you said you experimented with several different um, anti-inflammatory ingredients, but what were the ones that you ended up settling with to go into your supplement? And it would be amazing if like you could take us through the effects that have been found, you know, the effects that they have on the body. There's three main ingredients that we focus on. Uh, in total, we have nine ingredients in the supplements, but the three big ones that I'm sure your listeners are probably familiar with, you're probably familiar with, um, would be magnesium, resveratrol, and boswellia. Um, and so magnesium, you know, a lot of people are familiar with that because it's widely recommended for period pain and other types of pain. Um, and there's been a lot of studies on how magnesium does help relax and soothe your muscles. Um, there have been clinical studies that have shown that it helps reduce period cramps. Um, and magnesium is critical to our, our daily diets, but because of, we know, changing farming practices, climate change, um, it means that a lot of the vegetables that we consume now have a lot less magnesium than they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the number is that like 70% of people in the U.S. are getting less than the recommended amount. And then lower levels of magnesium have been shown to increase um, period pain because your body is more stressed. Um Therefore, increasing magnesium consumption during menstruation can help reduce the pain. Um, our big challenge with that product is, um, you know, it's readily available, but wanting to make sure we're sourcing it properly. There's, I didn't know this, Matt, Lauren's husband told me there's so many different types. So making sure we're finding the right type helps the most um, instead of just your kind of run-of-the-mill magnesium. Uh, so that's a big focus in the supplements. The resveratrol. I, I didn't really, I mean, I had heard of it, um, but I didn't really know why, but it's essentially, um, it comes from red wine, um, and acts as an antioxidant. You know, that's how you can tell yourself that when you're drinking red wine, you're being healthy, (laughs) 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 which I do a lot. (laughs) Um, so that's what, that's what makes it healthy. It's the resveratrol, um, and people with period pain and endometriosis have a lot higher oxidative stress. So obviously reducing that oxidative stress, AKA with, you know, antioxidants helps with the pain and it works very similar to, um, the NSAIDs like ibuprofen and naproxen sodium, cause it inhibits, 
um, a pathway, which is one of the ways that the body triggers pain and inflammation. I would give you the name of the pathway, but I can <laughs> pronounce it. I know Matt has told me the name millions of times, but it's essentially resveratrol inhibits the same pathway that ibuprofen and naproxen sodium do, um, but it's obviously naturally sourced. Um, and then the other interesting thing is, and once again, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know how to pronounce these things, mm -hmm. um, but it also inhibits a protein that has a very long name, but for short, it's um, MMPs. So they're proteins that your cells that your body can form new blood vessels and um, heal. Endometrial lesions actually recruit these proteins, the MMPs, to help them grow and invade. Um, and so MMPs have been linked to deep infiltrating endometriosis. Um, and there have been a number of studies in mice to show that resveratrol reduces the size of endometrial lesions, which is why that's a big um, component in our supplement. And then the third one I was talking about was Boswellia. Um, it's known as the Indian frankincense, you know, used for millennium as herbal medicine. Um, and then we're interested in it. We're using it for two reasons. Um, it's shown in studies that it really helps reduce IBS, IBS symptoms, which Lauren and I are in desperate need of. <laughs> um, and then going back to the kind of the same idea of the, the pathways that um, kind of trigger pain, Boswellia, interestingly enough, um, is made of different molecules. So it inhibits um, different a different pain pathway than NSAIDs, than ibuprofen. Oh, okay. Which is very interesting because then, so there are a lot of women who don't feel any benefits from taking NSAIDs. Um, and we had, we did a trial study this summer with 10 women um, to test out Samane. And we had a really good response because one of our beta testers, she has severe pain during her period, like deep infiltrating endometriosis. And she had given up on painkillers because they never made a difference for her. But when she was taking Samane on her period, um, it helped her so much that she didn't have to use the hot water bottle at night and she didn't have to skip any work or, That's incredible. Um, yes. So we were really excited about that. So in addition to those three ingredients that we have, I think like half of the ingredients I feel like people will be really familiar with when they look at a bottle of Samane. Um, so, you know, I mentioned curcumin earlier. That was definitely one of the first things we looked at just because I feel like you hear about turmeric so much as an anti-inflammatory. Um, what was interesting to learn for, for me is because I, I remember, you know, it's like if you take curcumin, make sure it has black pepper in it for getting more absorption. And the more studies we did, um, we realized that uh, really the black pepper is, is not necessarily the answer to getting um, more absorption into your body. It works as something that sort of keeps the product in your body longer, but it also will do that to whatever other um, medicines or supplements you're taking. So that might not be ideal for everybody. That's so interesting. Yeah, I remember when we learned about that, it was mm -hmm. like this light bulb moment um, because, you know, and that's that's not horrible if you're just taking a couple of supplements, but if somebody is taking a lot of medication, it's something to just be aware of. Um, so we really look to source the curcumin and basically all of the products we're using in a way that could be most bioavailable without, you know, without using black pepper and curcumin specifically. So, um, 
a fat really helps your body absorb different ingredients. So all of the supplements we're using essentially have are sort of encoded in a fat so your body can absorb them and process them. And it's not something that just runs through your body. Um, so yeah, that was really interesting to learn, um, when we were looking also figuring out the amounts of supplements, right? Because if you think about it and Matt explained it to me where, you know, you want it to stay in your body longer, right? So you're not just having expensive pee. You're not just peeing out the (laughs) supplements. So Um, true. (laughs) But if it's staying in your body longer, depending on the dosage, it might be too much, right? So if there's something that might irritate your intestines, you don't want to keep it in your body too long. You just enough. So it's figuring out. So with Matt's, you know, scientific know-how, figuring out what those amounts are, so you get the full benefits without getting any kind of negative side effects. Yeah, that's so interesting because I wonder if you have. This is really new to me, um, but I've wondered if you've had any, like, come across anything about curcumin um, or turmeric around, like painful bladder syndrome because I take turmeric for my endo and it really really helps but my painful bladder syndrome has really um gotten worse over the past couple of years and in beaten endo they mentioned to avoid turmeric but I can't really decipher from what they've said whether it's because it's a spice or whether it's because they were saying that supplements often contain potassium which can irritate Mm. the bladder lining and I think it's something like 80 to 90% of people with endometriosis have been found to have painful bladder syndrome in studies. Um, But when I've had pain with, from my painful bladder syndrome, I've drunk a turmeric latte and it's helped like a really super strong one. um, Mm -hmm. And it's helped. And from kind of my like elimination analysis, I haven't noticed that turmeric's doing that to my bladder. And so I'm really curious as to like, why they say that and some like lists like you know diet protocols for painful bladder syndrome or it's also known as interstitial cystitis Mm -hmm. um suggest like it it doesn't have it as it says to eliminate spice but it doesn't say to eliminate turmeric it says like proceed with like caution so it's really interesting that you've looked up the perfect like a good amount of time for your supplements to be in your body um Mm -hmm because you've taken into account like how it might irritate other you know other organs but I'm just curious about that like has that come up on your radar and what's your experience with it? Yeah that's a really interesting question. I haven't looked specifically into painful bladder um, syndrome or interstitial cystitis. We do have a close friend who does have that. And I remember at certain parts of my journey, I've thought about getting tested for it because I feel like I do have like an irritable bladder that is obviously connected to having endo. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for like Kath and I both saying our IBS symptoms are something that has been more pronounced for us. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting with the curcumin though is that I before we started Semaine, I would buy turmeric powders and either use it in a um, golden milk latte or just use it with hot water. You know, there's a lot of powders you can buy that are like, this is so good for you to take in the morning. And so I would take it and it would immediately upset my stomach. It would be really hard on my stomach. And um, so I used to be sort of anti-curcumin because I was like, well, you know, that obviously didn't work for me. It was really hard on my stomach. Um, And then when we were doing research for Semaine, finding 
a version of curcumin that didn't do that and understanding that you really need something to help your body absorb it because if it's going through your body really fast and, and your body's not able to absorb it, it's just trying to get rid of all that excess that you have. And I wonder if there would be some sort of connection with irritating the bladder or not irritating the bladder, depending on the type of curcumin you're taking. It'd be mm. interesting to, to find that out. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. I know that there's like more and more research on curcumin and there is like some insanely promising studies, but unfortunately they're just, they're on rats at this stage um, with endo and curcumin. So, which I'm going to do like a, a podcast episode on. Um, so I, I still, I still think for me it's been a, a miracle like it's honestly worked so so well for me but um it's yeah it's interesting um and maybe something for people to be aware of like if they're just taking you know whatever turmeric from wherever wherever you know how they respond to different kind of brands and stuff absolutely thinking like oh i'll have a golden milk latte because i can't have coffee when it might not be helping you or hurting you more you know yeah yeah and i don't know how i think i don't i i would love to have the doctors on who wrote beaten endo and just kind of ask them a bit more about that so we're yeah we'll, we'll see um but anyway sorry continue i just found it so interesting that you you were very specific with how long these things stayed in your body Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was part of, I think part of it was because we were having these, you know, hearing a lot about supplements and having them just go straight through your body. And we were like, there's got to be a way, you know, to, to make sure they're as effective as possible. And obviously, if you're taking ones that um, generally, I feel I do feel like kind of the general rule is if you're going to, you know, your um, health food store, or wherever you buy your supplements, that the cheaper ones have probably a lot of fillers or they don't have things to help them be bioavailable. So um, it's just something good to think about. I don't think always in life, the more expensive is better, but I think with supplements, doing your research is so important. So um, just for your listeners, even if you never end up taking Semaine, but you want to try specific supplements, definitely do your research behind the brands that you're taking. Yeah, for no, sure. For sure. Thank you. Um, yes. Um, so we are putting ashwagandha in uh, semaine as well. And that's um, not specifically necessarily an anti-inflammatory, but it is a way to just reduce stress. Um, love ashwagandha. Yes. Love so do we. So we were like, let's put it in there. Um, and I think for me too, like Kath and I were saying, you know, uh, painful periods, but specifically having endo can, the pain can be fairly triggering for us. So I think anything that helps reduce your stress and feel a little more relaxed on your period, mm-hmm. ideal. Um, so that's why we have ashwagandha in there. Um, then we also have um, a part of green tea, which again is another really yes. good, um, yes, anti-inflammatory. Um, and um, that, um, yeah. That that's just one of those things that when we tried it out in Semaine, it really helped lower my pain levels. Um, and I think there's been a lot of specific studies around green tea, specifically in endometriosis. Um, and again, sort of like um, our other ingredients that it helps inhibit endometrial lesions from from growing when they've studied it in mice. And I just to interrupt you real quick, that made me uh, that reminded me a lot of times when I've been telling folks about Semaine. Um, a lot of people say like, oh, I don't have period pain or I don't have endometriosis, but 
I do have like arthritis or some other type of pain. And they ask if they can take some main. Um, and, and the answer is yes, to an extent or yes. And check with your doctor. We are of course, focusing on period pain, um, and endometriosis, which is why we'll put something like the green tea extract in it. Um, so it might not be specific to somebody who has some other type of joint pain or something like that. Um, but it, it wouldn't hurt you to do it, you know, or, you know, I've, I've told guys, you know, it's not just for women, but our focus is absolutely on period pain and endometriosis. So we do have a handful of ingredients like the green tea extract that would be more specific because we've seen studies for that or with that and um, for endometriosis. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, we also have quercetin in there, which is uh, found in many fruits and vegetables. Well, all of Almost all of our ingredients are plant-based. I say almost all because we have vitamin D3 in there, which is not plant-based, but everything um, is plant-based. Um, and that's uh, an antioxidant again. So it um, has been shown in studies to reduce prostaglandin levels. Um, and it also blocks the release of histamine. So again, it's just something um, as an antioxidant, it's helping to scavenge free radicals out of your body. So again, it's just a really good anti-inflammatory. Um, then we have silymarin, which you may or may not have heard of. I feel like no, I started hearing I heard of that. I, I remember hearing about it because, you know, like liver support is so important um, for people with endometriosis because your liver is what processes um, your estrogen. So um, we wanted something in there specifically to, again, help with any way you can to help support your body on your cycle. Um, and this was one of those ingredients, like Kath was saying, where, again, it's not it's a good thing to take whether you have endo or not, um, or painful periods or not, just because it's liver support. Um, but that specifically we were looking for something that could help, um, with your liver. Um, Kath, uh, oh, I was mentioning vitamin D. So that's sort of the, the last element. Um, and this helps with absorption of calcium and magnesium. Um, and it's also been linked clinically to, um, to, if you have lower vitamin D levels, um, the, there's usually an increase in dysmenorrhea or painful periods. Mm -hmm. So putting in vitamin D, again, is a way to sort of help um, get your vitamin D levels up because so many people are um, have, a, like magnesium, have a lack of vitamin D. And I know as someone who lived in Scotland and now lives in Seattle, <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I'm vitamin D deficient year round. <laughs> so. That's why you just uh, need to move to Atlanta like you will, and you'll get yeah. plenty of vitamin D all year round. Exactly. And yeah, if you can't, taking a supplement is the way to go. <laughs> so I think that I think that wraps up our list of ingredients, um, but we'll have all that information on SemainHealth.com to make sure that people know exactly what's going into their bodies when they're taking Semain. That's brilliant. And I love the sound of all of those ingredients, like 90% of them have come up on my course that I'm doing, um, my women's health course with Dr. Jessica Drummond, which is all like evidence based. So um, I know of the studies and the, yeah, the the ingredients you're talking about, she also recommends. So um, that's, yeah, just great to hear. And um, I think you've chosen some lovely 
yeah, lovely ingredients that are going to help a lot of us. We really hope so. That was like, I mean, I think the idea that got us so excited about it, apart from, I don't think I explained that when we started this, how it started was I was really, it was selfishly, I was just looking for something that was going to help my period pain um, in my endo. And um, so we started mixing different anti-inflammatory powders into my smoothies. So it wasn't even in pill form. We were just taking powders and mixing things. And I remember when my periods were less painful, I was like, this is amazing. Um, And Kath was like, well, can you give me some? And I was like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then it was really months after that, that we were like, if we could help other women have less pain, let's do this. Let's make it a business. It really didn't come from, we're going to try to start a business that helped, you know, we were never thinking about it that way. It was really when it was working for both of us, you know, not just me. I think sometimes I I get in the the thought pattern that my endo is so specific and everybody's pain is different that just because it helps me, it's not going to help somebody else. But it was really having Kath have it and the, the pills were working for her and then doing the beta test over the spring with 10 other women who some of them don't have endometriosis, but they have painful periods or they have painful ovulation, or they have pain in their legs while they have um, are on their period. It was really interesting just having other women try it out and see what kind of results they had too. That just felt very validating and so exciting to mm-hmm. potentially help other people who have pain. Yeah, no, of course, absolutely. And it's so nice when you've got that journey from doing something for yourself and then taking it out into the world because you have that passion ingrained in you. And I think also with the, you know, a lot of us do say that kind of a disclaimer of like what works for me might not necessarily work for you, but we know from a scientific viewpoint that inflammation heightens pain. So lowering inflammation makes sense. Like you might have to try different methods to lower your inflammation, but like scientifically, it makes sense to lower your information when you live with endometriosis. So yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I just think it's a brilliant Absolutely. idea. Absolutely. And I think it, for us too, it was like a way to lower inflammation without having to take just painkillers. Because I know when I came out of the hospital after that first emergency surgery, when the endometrioma ruptured, um, they basically just gave me massive doses of ibuprofen. And that was really hard on my stomach. Um, and even today, I still can't take ibuprofen without it really upsetting my stomach, just feeling really acidic and really painfully like, um, I know it can affect your stomach lining and that kind of is what it feels like. It feels like it's basically taken away my stomach lining. Um, wow. So even if I wanted to just take an over-the-counter anti-inflammatory, I can't. Um, so it, having something that you're taking that not only, not only helps with your pain, but actually is good for your body was like, yes, let's do that. Let's not be taking this thing that yes, maybe is helping mask the pain for a little bit, but it's actually hurting your body in other ways. Yeah, no, completely. And I, and it's nice to have that option as well, because so many of us don't realize that that that's an option we're given certain drugs and that's we think we have to be on them for the rest of our lives and and that's it even if they don't make us feel well so this is kind of like a bit of a sidestep away from the ingredients and the inflammation but I know that a big part of your work is empowerment and advocacy for um women and assigned females at birth individuals um 
what do you think are the key issues for how women women's health is being addressed like in society at the moment and how do you hope to be able to work towards like changing that um and changing that for people with painful periods and endometriosis yeah this is such a good question um we i think a big part of of our journeys as you as you've heard is that doctors continually sort of dismissed our pain or and it's it's a story that you've heard with so many women, especially with endometriosis, but I have friends with other chronic illnesses that also take a long time to diagnose. And they've just sort of been brushed off by doctors because um, women, women are, you know, especially, I mean, women are generally our pain isn't taken as seriously as it is with men. You know, there's been studies that have proven this, this is not just anecdotal. Um, And then on top of that, especially women of color or, you know, um, people who are non-binary, I feel like they have even bigger hurdles to jump through this. Um, And so that has to be part of this main journey that we're on is to help um, empower women and and people with with pain to be able to get their doctors to listen to them. Yeah. and, um, you know, for us, I do think, you know, doctors saying just go on birth control or take, um, some sort of over the counter pain med. It was just, it felt, you know, it felt dismissive because it was just solutions that they had been routinely been told, you know, but there wasn't any interest in trying to figure out anything more beyond that. Um, and almost every time I go to the doctor, it's, I feel like I have to educate them on endometriosis specifically, you know, it's, it's so like, true. And yes, it's even so gynecologists. Yeah. yeah. Gynecologists. Scary. And again, this happens. I've only had female gynecologists and they dismiss me, you know? Um, and it's just, it's such a frustrating and um, also it is a traumatic experience because, and I've heard other endo patients specifically talk about this, where you have to like psych yourself up to go to the doctor yeah. and, and sort of make sure you have your defenses up because Kath and I always talk about this after we get out of an appointment, we sort of like cry to each other on the phone. Cause you just like, you want to cry in the moment when you're having to defend yes. what your pain is like, why this has affected your life so much. And you know, now because I have these like very traumatic sort of hospital experiences to tell them, they just sort of, they, I get a little more empathy, but they're just like, yeah, oh yeah, that's too bad, you know, Mm -hmm. but they can't give any other sort of advice or any other kind of like, okay, if you've been on birth control, if you've been taking over-the-counter pain meds and that's not really a solution, there's never any other talk about, um, anything else that you could potentially take, even supplements, which I know part of that is the problem with going to just a Western sort of medicine doctor versus seeing like a naturopath. Um, but yeah, that, that dismissiveness and not feeling valued, um, and, you know, just the medical space and, and medical research has been dominated by cisgendered white men, you know? So of course they're going to be addressing, issues that they have and, and not pay attention to something that's affecting, you know, more than 50% of the population, um, which is insane to me. Um, it's just incredible to think that the lack of research, the reason why there's so little research done on not just endometriosis, but on period cycles, period pain is because the people that are funding studies, the people that are on medical boards are mainly men. So they're just not interested in, in, um, studying that. I know there was one 
study we looked at where I think it was Viagra that they were looking at. They had it tested on women with endometriosis and there were some positive results. And literally the board came back and was like, well, that's not, you know, that's not really something we need to pursue, you know? And it's like, oh. what? <laughs> you know? yeah, it's because erectile dysfunction is so much more important Absolutely. than you have okay. massive amounts of pain. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's, so Laura and I have always been feminist. We went to women's college too, which I feel like, you know, made us even more feminist. Uh, so that's always been a part of us. But I think um, what's wild to me is like going through this whole endometriosis journey and this health journey and like meeting other women who have gone through it, meeting women who really know their bodies. They understand their bodies more than the average person does because they've had to. And those women are the ones who are getting dismissed, you know, and they know exactly what they're talking about. And then reading up about these studies um, that aren't focused on women. I remember reading once about how scientists didn't um, use female rats because their menstruation cycles. Oh my God, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like half the population, more than half the population would also have menstrual cycles. So, um, and just, and like, the more and more we discover, like, this is insane. I do believe there are more women than they even think that have, if not endometriosis, PMDD, um, PCOS. I, I think it's been so underdiagnosed because women have just, like, if not directly, like, indirectly kind of been taught to just suffer through your pain or it's a part of being a woman, or you're completely ignored until you are going to be a baby-making machine. And then doctors mm-hmm. kind of you, but as soon as you deliver that baby, then it gets shut down again, you know? And I've had like so many friends just talking anecdotally that that's how they're treated, regardless of what their issue is, what, what pain they have, what disease they have. It's, 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 it's universal and are in doctors dismissing women and it's just wild. And I feel like, and with Samane, we can at the very least have a dialogue about that and put that more out there. Um, and then even kind of glom on to, even though we're much more science-based, we want to, we want to back up the kind of wellness trend that's been happening. You know, I think that's helped as well to kind of put like women haven't been hurt. And so there's this whole wellness industry that has been very female dominated. And I think a big part of that is because we feel dismissed and we're trying to figure out our own way of doing things. Um, so I think now's the time to do it. And um, it's kind of perfect timing to introduce the main to the market as well. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree with everything, everything that you you said. And it's, I think some companies are jumping on trends, but mm-hmm. Yes. Which is unfortunate, but at the same time, it's starting conversations. And yes. if, mm-hmm. if you guys are starting a conversations from a place of experience and, um, yeah, education and knowledge, I just, I think that's amazing. And it's, it's so needed because there is still this just feeling of insecurity and lack of power when it comes mm-hmm. to like visiting the doctor. Like, even if you know exactly what you you know, you know exactly what you need and exactly what's going on in your body. Um, suddenly it just feels like they strip you bare and you're like, okay, yeah, no, I don't, yeah. I don't know anything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, okay, yeah, that's so true. Um, <laughs> and, and we really don't want to just criticize doctors because yes, no, there, there's yeah, a, a space for that. Right. And I definitely in the past have been like, you know, don't no, I'm not going to go to the doctor because I know they just won't believe me, but I'm hoping uh, like, 
Semaine is a way to, as you were saying, open that dialogue. And it would be amazing if it was like, this is something that we can educate doctors on as a possibility for people who have this pain when before they couldn't offer anything else but birth control or staying or taking over the counter pain meds. You know, so it's also trying to do something about that at the same time that we are criticizing the pharmaceutical industry and the healthcare industries right now. It's like, we're hoping that we can shift that, that this isn't, we will definitely rant, but that it's not just a rant, you know, that we're also trying to shift that. Yeah, for sure. Because it can, you know, you just keep shout, you can shout yourself hoarse if all you're going to be doing is getting angry about something, but not changing it. Um, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so to wrap up, when will Semaine be launching and how can we get hold of it and what will the price point be like and how often should we be taking it? So we have an Indiegogo campaign going on, started October 8th, um, and the product will be available at the end of this year in December slash beginning of January. Um, and the way the product is set up is that it will be um seven days worth of pills that you take on or before your period. Um, We've found, Lauren and I have found it the most effective if we start taking it a few days before a period. Since we're both on birth control, we can kind of figure out the exact date. Um, Plus our worst cramps and symptoms, endosymptoms do come at the beginning of our period. Um, Now for women that find that it's maybe they get their worst cramps at the end. It's fine to start Semaine um, once your period starts or if you're not on birth control um, and your period's irregular, you can just start it when your period starts. You will still get benefits from that. Um, So you'll get a monthly supply will be for seven days and that monthly supply will retail for $35. Once it is available, it'll be up on SemaineHealth.com, which is already up and running. You can sign up for an email um, for our newsletter and also use it as a space to learn throughout the next few months or weeks, really. Um, we're going to put up a lot more information, um, not just on the science behind it, but kind of our personal stories. We have some of that up there already, and we want it to be a place where you can learn and be informed too, not just on all the ingredients, but why certain things work and why other things don't. Um, cause the whole point, ultimately what we want to do is allow women to do their own research and we want to empower them. And how, what if, so obviously it's $35 in the States. Can I get it, for example, like in the UK, can anyone order it or is it US only at the moment? When we first start, I think probably in December, it probably will just be US only. We're still trying to figure that out with our, um, Suppliers, just because supplement regulation is different in the UK, in Australia. So we have, yeah, so it might take just a little bit longer. One of our beta testers was, um, she lives in Canada and even it it was fine to send her sort of the beta test, but I think even shipping to Canada, there'll be um, sort of a difference in regulation. So we're still trying to figure that out. The goal is definitely to be able to ship internationally. It just might be sort of like a stage process that happens early next year. So initially the launch will just be in the US, but we're going to, that is like our main focus is trying to figure out how to work with these regulations um, for supplements and make sure we can ship it to you and everybody else um, around the world. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much. And just to 
for anyone listening who is plant-based or vegan is did you say the d3 is from an animal is that animal source no oh sorry i didn't mean to to suggest that it is our semaine will be 100 percent vegan and mm-hmm. plant plant-based in the sense that you're actually getting extracts from plants the d3 isn't is not animal based um so technically i think right now what we see as plant-based is something directly coming from a plant like our root or turmeric yes um but yes our our product will be is the main is vegan and 100 percent plant-based yeah so we will use uh vegan capsules that was a big deciding factor for us because they're not quite as common but we um wanted to make sure it's a vegan product okay awesome Girls, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited about this product and I really can't wait to get my hands on it. So yeah, do let us know um, when it's available elsewhere. And when it is available elsewhere, I'll update that on the show notes. So um, if anyone is listening to this in 2020, then check the show notes and see see what's happening. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck with your um, Indiegogo campaign. Is that the word, Indiegogo? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yes. Um, thank you so much, Jess. It's been so fun. Oh, no, and so thank welcome. you for doing your podcast. We've loved it for so yes. long. And it, just educating women about it, um, I think it's, it's wonderful work that you do. So thank you so much for including us in it. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Cool. Well, I hope you guys have a lovely day or evening. I I'm I'm can't really remember where you guys are. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's been great talking to you. Thanks, Jess. Likewise. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Bye. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, You can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.